This evening is the first of our whole church Bible study and prayer meetings of the new year. And we're going to use this Bible study to think about prayer. In fact, this evening we're beginning a short series of Bible studies. We want to spend the first four of our fortnightly whole church Bible study and prayer meetings of 2023, uh, doing a little series uh, that we're calling Praying with Paul. And uh, I'm going to do two of the four, and Gordon's uh, going to do uh, two of the four. And the plan is that we'll look at some of Paul's uh, prayers as we have them recorded for us in his letters, with the aim to help us in our prayers at the beginning of of a new year, to help us in our praying individually as Christians and to help us in our praying together as a church, that we might indeed be a praying individuals and a praying church as we go into uh, this new year. Just to give you an idea where you're going, where we're going, uh, the theme uh, tonight is praying for understanding. Uh, in a fortnight's time, it'll be praying for strength. After that, praying for fruitfulness. And last but not least, a praying for patience. But for tonight, praying for understanding. And we're turning to the passage that we've just read together at the end of Ephesians chapter 1. And zooming in on the prayer there, verses 17, 18, and first half of verse 19. Let's just read those verses again, 17, 18, and Beginning of 19, Paul prays for the Ephesians that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who Believe. Just to take a moment to put this prayer in the context of uh, this first chapter of Paul's letter uh, to the Ephesians, Paul greets uh, the Ephesians, verses 1 uh, and 2, in his uh, familiar way, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He then reminds them of all they have in Christ. Uh, verses uh, 3 to 14, beginning with that classic statement in the third verse, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then he assures them of his prayers in the passage uh, that we read together a few moments ago, from 15 to the end of the chapter at verse 32. Verse 23, uh, telling them in verse 16 uh, that he does not cease uh, to give thanks for them, uh, making mention of them in his prayers. And not only does he assure them of his prayers, but in the middle of this closing part of the chapter, he actually uh, prays for them in these verses uh, that are taking our attention tonight, 17, 18, and the first half of 19 and central to this prayer is this picture of the eyes of their understanding being enlightened a beginning of verse 18 and that is uh, something 
we need. We need God to enlighten the eyes of our understanding. It's something that we need before we are saved. Because before we are saved, we we don't understand. We don't understand God. And so because we don't understand God, we don't understand ourselves. Because we can't understand ourselves uh, without reference to to God. And and so we could continue. Before we're saved, we, we don't understand. So if you're here tonight and you're not yet a Christian, you need to pray for understanding. That the Lord would enlighten the eyes of your understanding. But we also uh, need uh, the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened uh, after we're saved. Because when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, well, we have some understanding, but we need more. We know a little, but there's so much more uh, to be discovered. More of God, more of ourselves, more of Christ, more of his so a great a salvation. So we're to pray uh, for understanding. And I want us just to notice from these verses tonight uh, three uh, characteristics, if you will, of this understanding uh, that Paul prays for, for the Ephesians, and that we do well uh, to pray uh, for ourselves. First of all, an understanding that's divinely given. First half of verse 17. An understanding (coughs) that's divinely given given. Uh, Paul prays in the first half of this 17th verse that God may give uh, to them. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give uh, to you. He speaks of the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a striking phrase, isn't it? But it's one that Paul has already used in this uh, letter back in Verse 3 of this first chapter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a a phrase that he uses in uh, similar shapes or forms in a number of his letters. You'll find it in Romans and in Colossians and a couple of times in uh, 2 Corinthians. And it's not unique to to Paul, but uh, Peter also in uh, his uh, first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we read this reference to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is not uh, uh, teaching us, of course, that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is uh, not God, but rather it is a reference to a God the Father, uh, to the first person of the Trinity. You remember God is triune, one God in three persons, three Persons in one God, blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this is a reference to God the Father, to the first person of the Trinity, who within the Trinity is first among equals. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Similarly, he describes him as the Father of glory. The Father of of glory in the sense that he is the one to whom all glory belongs. He is the one from whom all glory comes. He is the one who is the very definition of glory. He is the one whose glory can only be known as he reveals it to us. And Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you. In other words, this understanding that Paul is praying for the Ephesians here is 
uh, not uh, natural, nor is it something uh, to which we have any right. It is an understanding only God can give. It is an understanding that we can't uh, do without. It is an understanding of which we stand in constant need. This is not simply some worldly wisdom uh, that Paul is praying for these Ephesians. Uh, Rather, it is a spiritual understanding, an understanding that's divinely given, that must be given to us by God. And so that gives us encouragement to pray to him uh, for the gift of such a spiritual wisdom. So it's an understanding that's divinely given. But secondly, from these verses tonight, it's an understanding that's uniquely Christian. Middle of our passage, end of verse 17, beginning of verse 18, Paul prays that God may give to you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. End of verse 17. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Beginning of verse 18. This phrase, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In our New King James, we have a small s spirit. The small s spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The New King James following the older uh, King James. In some other versions, such as the uh, ESV and the uh, NIV, Uh, you have a uh, big S spirit, the big S spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And lots of ink has been spilt over whether it should be a a small S spirit or a big S spirit. And we don't want to go off at a tangent tonight without uh, suggesting that that discussion is altogether unimportant. I'd suggest to you tonight that uh, that we don't need to worry too much, at least for this reason, because any small s spirit in the Christian life is a gift of the big s spirit. Who is it that gives to us this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him? Well, it is from God and given to us by his spirit. It is the result of the operation of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. The spirit of wisdom and uh, revelation. In the knowledge of him, Paul prays. The him, of course, being Christ, who's been mentioned already. In the knowledge of Christ. And this reminds us of something that the Lord Jesus Christ has said in uh, uh, the upper room in John uh, chapter 16. Do you remember in John 16 where he's uh, speaking to his disciples about how uh, shortly uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit would, uh, would come and he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in the, the life of the unbeliever and he talks about the work of the Spirit in the life of, of the Christian uh, and he says John chapter 16 and verse 15 speaking of the Holy Spirit he will take of mine and declare it to you. He will take of mine and declare it to you. In other words, it is the great work and uh, privilege and joy of the Holy Spirit to uh, show us and teach us 
and impress us with more and more of Jesus Christ. This spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the growing knowledge of all that Christ is to us, in the growing knowledge of all that he's done for us, in the growing knowledge of all that we have in him. And as we are helped by the Holy Spirit to grow in his likeness. That he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Then this phrase again, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. It's picture language, isn't it? The eyes of our understanding. Uh, we have eyes in our uh, bodies. And uh, it's with our eyes that we that we see. And if our eyes are open, we can see. And if our eyes are closed, we, we can't see. And so Paul's using picture language here as if our, our minds, our understanding have, uh, have eyes. And how the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our understanding. By nature left to ourselves, our understanding would be closed. If the Holy Spirit were to withdraw himself from us, our eyes, the eyes of our understanding would, would close again. But the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and keeps our eyes open and keeps opening our eyes ever, ever wider that we might see the reality as it is in the Lord Jesus Christ, in all that he is and in all that he has done for us. So this understanding that Paul's praying for, it's an understanding that's uniquely Christian, an understanding that he's focused upon Jesus Christ, that we might understand who he is and what he's done who we are and what we're to do in relation to him. That the more we know Christ, the more we shall know how to live as Christians and the more effective we shall be in the various aspects of our Christian lives. So it's an understanding that's divinely given. And it's an understanding that's uniquely Christian. But thirdly tonight, it's an understanding that's eternity-focused. Eternity-focused. End of 18, beginning of 19. That you may know, Paul prays, beginning, middle of verse 18. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is <coughs> the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe that you may know Paul prays for these Ephesians he's not praying for a mere intellectual knowledge but rather for a faith inspiring confidence when he prays that you may know he's praying for a powerful persuasion for a certain conviction the kind of powerful persuasion and certain conviction that will mean that doubt is dispelled and that faith is fortified that you may know that's the kind of understanding Paul wants these Ephesian believers to have but that you may know what well he gives us these three things that you may know what is the hope of his calling that you may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us 
who believe. A word on each. First of all, that you may know the hope of his calling. We could paraphrase that, the hope to which he has called us. And what a hope it is to which we have been called as Christians. It's described in many and varied ways in the scriptures. Let me just highlight one or two. It's the better hope of which the writer to the Hebrews speaks in Hebrews 7.19. It's the blessed hope of which Paul writes in Titus 2.13. It's the living, or as the old AV puts it, lively hope of which Peter writes in 1 Peter 1.3. The better hope, the best hope, the blessed hope, no hope more blessed, the living, the lively, the life-giving, life-empowering hope. What a hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul wants these Ephesians to be persuaded and convinced of it, that doubt may be dispelled and that faith may be fortified. The hope of his calling. Secondly, that you may know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Notice the language here. Not the inheritance of the saints, although as saints we have an inheritance, but of his inheritance in the saints. Christ has an inheritance in us. Think about that. We have an inheritance in him. But also scripture teaches he has an inheritance in us. I came across uh, this quotation from one of the old writers. Grace is glory begun and holiness is happiness in bud. Grace is glory begun and holiness is happiness in bud. And as in Christ, uh, we inherit grace and, and we inherit holiness. So that leads us to, to glory and to, to happiness. When we shall be with Christ, which will be far better. And he will be our inheritance and we will be his inheritance. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. But there's a third thing here. That you may know, beginning of verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. The exceeding greatness of God's power. We believe, don't we, that God is almighty. We believe the scriptures teach us that he is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful. We teach the little ones to sing, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. The exceeding greatness of his power, he's almighty, he's omnipotent, but again note the language, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, that his power is towards us, that his power is for us. That his power is working in us and uh, on our behalf. Not only for his glory, but also for his good. 
the significance of this, that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. It means that all his promises are as good as fulfilled. You know, sometimes we might make promises to people or people might make promises to us uh, and we receive promises and we think, well, those are nice promises. But will they actually be fulfilled? Maybe sometimes we wonder whether the person even wants to fulfill them. But even if we're in no doubt that they would love to fulfill their promise towards us, sometimes we might wonder whether actually they have the ability to do so. But we don't have to worry about that with our God and with our Savior. He is not only, he does not only promise us this hope and this eternal inheritance, but he would have us know, be persuaded and convinced of the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. That such is his power. Such is his might. Such is the strength of his right hand. That whatever he has promised us in the future is as good as already received. Because there is no doubt that he can. There is no doubt that he is able. There is no doubt that he will fulfill his promised word. This God who promises to be with us in our lives, in all our ups and downs, on the days when everything's going swimmingly and we barely recognize our need of him, and on the days when we're, uh, everything's falling apart and we're thrown upon him anew and afresh, the exceeding greatness of his power, he will fulfill his promises to all those who believe in life. The exceeding greatness of his power, as he has promised to be with us in death, when the time comes, whether that's at a great age or much younger, whether it's at a time when we expect it and we've seen it coming, or whether it's unexpected and suddenly comes at us. But he will be with us in that moment of death, in that time of dying, and he will fulfill his promise to us and be to us in that season all that he has promised to be. And he who promises to be with us in life and has all power to fulfill those promises. And he who promises to be with us in death. And has all power to fulfill those promises as well. Is he who promises to be with us in eternity. To take us to be with him. That we might be together forever. Christ and all his people. He has the power. The exceeding greatness of his power. To see that his will is done. That his promises are fulfilled. That our hopes are not dashed. But that we discover everything to be as he promised it would be. And as he takes our breath away with his resplendent glory in heaven. That you may know. This is the understanding. You see that Paul is praying uh, for these Ephesians. He's not praying for an intellectual knowledge that they might be the brightest people in the room. He, he's not praying that they might know everything that's going to happen tomorrow and next week and next year and in a decade's time. Um, he's not praying for things like that. But he's praying that they might know what they most need to know. So that however bright or not bright they are, 
And so that whatever happens tomorrow or next week or next year or in a decade's time, it's okay. Because they know. They understand. They're persuaded. They're convinced. They don't need to doubt. They can trust. Because God has given this understanding to them. This understanding of his love for them in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of the eternal hope. Which puts everything in the here and now. Into perspective. So it's not wrong to pray for understanding and wisdom and guidance in the, in the ordinary things of life. But that's not what Paul's talking about when he prays for understanding here. He's praying on this larger, this grander, this bigger, this macro scale. Because when we have this big picture understanding, then other things more easily fall into place. It's an understanding that's divinely given. So we should ask God increasingly to give it to us. It's an understanding that's uniquely Christian. So the focus of our petition should be that we might know more and more of Christ and and grow in our knowledge of him and in our uh, likeness to him. And it's an understanding that's eternity-focused. We say it so often, don't we, but it bears repetition. But our problem so often is that we look at eternity through the lens of time. Whereas we are those who ultimately do not belong to time, but who belong to eternity. And so we do better to look at time through the lens of eternity. We've been thinking about Paul tonight, praying with Paul, praying for understanding. But let's give the last word of our Bible study to James. You remember what he says, James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. We all do lack wisdom, but we can all ask of God. And we have this encouragement that he gives to all liberally and without reproach. And that if we ask, then he will give it to us. May we thank the Lord for all spiritual understanding that he's given to us. That way we never rest content with that which we have, but always seek a a greater, a fuller, a richer spiritual understanding. That the more we understand this big picture, the more we'll be able to cope with the details of our lives day by day. Amen.